The AAPA conference is coming up May 18th through 22nd in Houston. I'm so sad that I will not be there, but some of my favorite people will be. So I want to make sure that y'all know who to look out for. So if you're heading down to the conference, make sure you go by the Blueprint and Rosh Review table. They're giving away all kinds of stuff stethoscopes, seats in the review course. They're talking about how Rosh Review has joined Blueprint and what that looks like. But definitely go stop by, say hi, get some swag, tell them I said hello, uh, and it'll be a really good time. I'm sure y'all will have an awesome time in Houston. Make sure you go to Torchy's Tacos, my absolute favorite, and spend some time in the exhibit hall exploring we know that I love Rosh Review um, by Blueprint, and they have so many great resources. So whether you're looking for QBanks, pants review courses, now is the time. And usually there's some special stuff, so go check it out. Have you felt at any point like your story isn't unique? Well, I'm here to tell you you're wrong, and every story is unique. We're talking to an applicant who most would consider traditional, but he has a lot of experiences that make him a little non-traditional. So Preston is going to tell us all about his experience. Welcome to the Pre-PA Club podcast. If you want to learn how to become a physician assistant, you're in the right place. I'm your host, Savannah Perry. Let's get to it. I want to thank My PA Resource and PA School Prep for sponsoring the Pre-PA Club podcast. So My PA Resource is a personal statement editing service that edits only PA school essays, only edited by PAs, and most of us have admissions experience. So I am one of the editors. Definitely check them out if you need help with your content, grammar, flow, making sure that you are on track for turning in your application. And you can use the code FUTUREPA for a discount on any of their service options. All right, guys, it is CASPA time. Not quite yet, but almost. The application is opening next week. So, hope you're ready. If you don't feel ready, that is okay and normal, but you are in the right place. I'm Savannah. I am a dermatology PA and host of the PA platform and the Pre-PA Club podcast. Um, and I'm so happy to have you listening. And I'm sure you're in the process of doing everything you can to prepare and make sure you are ready for your PA school applications, which is awesome. So don't fret. You have time. There's, you know, you got plenty of time before you have to submit. Don't feel like you have to do it day one. That's my number one tip right now. But today we're going to hear from Preston. He is a student who reached out. And just if you have advice, if you've listened to the podcast and you feel like you have advice that would be helpful to other applicants, things you haven't heard on here, a story or an experience you haven't heard, reach out. Um, send me a message on Instagram. I'm at the PA platform on there. Send me an email. You can do my name, Savannah at the PA platform. I don't have an H on my name, so if it's easier, just do info at the PA platform.com. And let me know a little bit about your story and let's get you on the podcast or set up to do a blog post to share about it. I think the more different experiences we can put out there, the more it helps other applicants and helps you all to feel a little, little less stressed about the process. So um, before we jump into hearing about Preston's application cycle and 
what his experience was leading up to that, how it went, how he chose a developing program. Um, I wanted to mention, make sure you're taking advantage of all of the resources on the paplatform.com. One of the easiest ways to find information besides reading the CASPA FAQ is just to do a quick Google search of whatever you're looking for. GPA, the PA platform, the PA platform supplemental applications. Usually something will pop up and if it doesn't, let me know and I'll answer your question or work on something that we can help out with. Um, and then there are lots of free resources. There's the personal statement email course um, and worksheets to help you through that. A lot of things to help hold your hand throughout this process so that you don't have to feel like you're doing it alone all the time. And then if you do get the get to the point where you need help with personal statement, mock interview stuff, um, there are options there too. And you can use the code FUTUREPA for a discount on any of the services, supplemental application review, mock interviews, or the personal statement or interview books as well. So I hope that helps. If you have any questions, you know my inbox is always open and we will get through this together. I've you know, been doing this for a while and happy to help you make less mistakes. <laughs> That's the point. So, all right, let's get into our discussion with Preston. Um, also, you can go ahead and if you are a reapplicant, this month's free webinar is for reapplicants. It will be um, next Thursday on the 29th, actually the day that CASPA opens. So make sure you sign up for that. This one's going to be on YouTube. We're trying something a little different. So the easiest way to get notifications is to subscribe to the channel. Um, so that information's in the description and I'll be posting on social media too. But I wanted to do something specific for reapplicants so we can make sure we're focusing on all of your questions. All right, let's hear from Preston and thank you so much for listening. If you have been listening for a long time, I'd love if you could leave a review. Um, let me know what you like about the podcast, what we need to do differently, but that helps more people to find it. My name is Preston Whitmill. Uh, I graduated um, from OU this past May. Um, I am 23 years old. I've just have been working a lot. Uh, I was a full-time student and also worked at a hospital um, just as a cardiac monitor tech, um, watching EKG strips um, for, I've done that for over two years now. Um, and then I've all, I also consistently volunteer at a clinic as a case manager uh, a f free clinic. I um, do a lot of case management work with uh, um, PAP's patient assistant programs and um, reaching out and doing referrals through specialists and things like that. Um, so that's kind of just what I'm up to now since I've graduated. I got, I went to uh, a local community college and got my EMT. I went through that process um, just kind of, kind of as an insurance plan. Um, throughout this application process, I wanted to be able to fall back on something that, um, I don't know, was going to diversify my application, uh, in the event that I wasn't going to get in this cycle. So that's kind of what I did there. Um, and then, you know, pandemic. So I just, yeah, <laughs> it's been, um, figuring out just like everybody else, what to do, how to handle, I mean, work continued. Uh, right. so that wasn't, super different for me, which it was, it was odd coming out of that period, April, April, May, where people had all been at home, but I'd still 
the only thing that changed was school not being at school anymore. Yeah. But hearing stories of people who stayed in their house houses for an entire month. And I was like, man, like a pandemic scary, but I'm glad I didn't have to, I think a month at home by myself was scarier. Yes. Yes. There's definitely pros and cons to both sides of things. Um, so did you, you said you graduated in May. What was your major? Just health and exercise science pre-PA. I I chose the path of least, least resistance. That's great. And I, so do your school had like a specific kind of pre-PA Mm, or not really? There's a designation that they, they, they even put it like, uh, I don't don't know if it was on my degree, but it was like, whenever I logged into my portal, it was. That's awesome. My school did not, and I think still does not have anything specific to being pre-PA. So, I I mean, that's great that your school at least gave you a little bit of help there. Um, Did you, so we're going to like get into more details here, but some questions that initially come to mind. Did you take a gap year then? Yeah, I mean, not a, not a, chosen gap year but okay okay we'll, we'll yeah, talk about I, apl- I applied for uh I mean does it really count I applied to one school uh really well I applied to two and then later found out the one that I applied to my prerequisites didn't match up um and it wasn't even matching up it was I think you were only allowed to have like three outstanding credit hours you know like one class mm-hmm. but in my final semester I, I was taking two uh, of the prerequisite courses and so I was like, well, I guess I didn't even get considered during yeah. that cycle. So, so I ended up just applying to one and no, nothing came to fruition with that. But. Gotcha. Okay. Well, we'll get into that. So what made you interested in, in kind of medicine and the PA profession? Uh, it was, I mean, as most, at least most people, I think it's, it's kind of a culmination of a bunch of different events, but um, my dad has, uh, been in medical sales kind of yeah. his whole life. Um, so he's always worn scrubs around the house and been in hospitals and I've heard all of his stories and he works with doctors and PAs all the time. And, uh, and then, so that was kind of how I leaned towards the medical field. Now that was wide variety. I mean, I was thinking like, maybe I'll just take over my dad's business or something like whenever I was a naive kid, but my dad told me no, so. <laughs> Maybe you still can. Maybe you still can. Yeah, no, I don't think I want to now that I've, I've figured some stuff out. But um, anyways, uh, so that, and then also like my junior year of high school, I've gone on uh, a lot of mission trips, which I've heard you talk about ones that you've done as well. Yeah. Um, junior year of high school, I've got to go to Honduras um and we stayed inside of a volunteer clinic and like we slept on the unused gurneys uh while we were there so that was a really cool experience and it was cool to be able to see um I don't know it was just cool to be able to have the idea that these people who have dedicated a lot of time to their profession are coming down and giving giving it away because that's kind of what I want to do with my time is I want to be able to help those that can't help themselves. And um, so that's kind of where I was at. I thought that was super cool. And then senior year high school, I uh, tore my ACL and 
tore up my body. And so PA kind of helped me walk through that and losing uh, football and stuff. And so, yeah. Yeah. Is that, was that your first interaction with PAs? Yep. Pretty general. Yeah. The sideline PA, he, he was actually kind of like a school friend. One of his uh, kids went to our school in the past. And so he was kind of our sideline doc and he works in orthopedics and has for 30 years. Wow. But um, he was actually ended up being the first PA that I shadowed uh, like two years later. Um, but he was, he's just an, he's an awesome PA. Like he represents the profession so well. And I'm thankful that he was my first point of contact because I mean, first impressions are just everything, you know? And so um, anyways, he kind of, came back with the reality that I wasn't going to be able to play. And and it was, it was kind of the idea that I was thinking about playing in college. And so whenever I did lose it, it was like, at the time I thought I'd lost everything, obviously, but um, I I was okay. It ended up being okay. And he kind of helped me through that, but uh, he was kind about it and just um, great patient care experience, I guess. Yeah, that's a pretty common theme and story that I hear a lot from applicants, either in essays or interviews or just in general, where, you know, they were really involved in sports and then an injury happened that kind of took that away and they had to figure out what things were going to look like and how it was going to be different and PAs end up being part of that process in some way, um, which is a good thing. So um, would you consider yourself a traditional or non-traditional applicant? I think in many ways, I think from the outside, I'm considered traditional just because I'm a young applicant, but I don't really feel like there's, especially through my college experience, there's not a whole lot of traditional that I felt just because I've, I lived at home my, my entire time. Nice. Uh, I never had to live on campus. And that was automatically set me apart from the majority of my classmates. And because uh, I didn't know people, I wasn't in any really any groups besides like our campus ministry. Uh, and and even that there's not, a, it's a large campus. So there, I never really saw a whole lot of overlap. And so um, I think it was, it wasn't what made me, kind of a non-traditional student was just maybe not knowing anybody and just kind of going through it kind of by myself. Um, And then I I guess that's, that's really it though. I mean, I, and I played baseball my freshman year uh, at a small school. uh, And so that was, it was interesting. Um, I, it was an experience that I, uh, I'm thankful that I had, but um, when it came to the end of my freshman year, I decided that I needed to move on, um, for a plethora of reasons, but, um, yeah, so that, and I guess that kind of made me also, uh, a non-traditional student where I transferred in and I was commuting. So I'd missed out on a year with a bunch of students and also, um, I just didn't, I wasn't on campus. So, yeah, but that's, like I said, I'm I'm still young. So I guess there's a lot more non-traditional students than me. That's interesting. And I, it's hard because I don't feel like the traditional non-traditional definitions are really that great because everyone does have these little things. Like I was traditional, but I graduated in three and a half years, which is non-traditional. And I mean, I think we all have these little things that are a little bit different um, in how we do things. But 
Um, so did you go into undergrad wanting to do PA or did that change while you were at school? I went in, I was pre-med my freshman year, but that was because I was at a smaller school and they didn't really have any other options. Um, I was like a biochem major or something like that. And so I was in there with all the geniuses, but uh, <laughs> it didn't, I don't know, cause I was considering med school obviously. And then considering, I mean, uh, that, that was kind of the period where I was like, maybe I could just take a, my dad's got a nice life. I was like, he makes enough money. Maybe I'll just do that. Yeah. But, and I, it was, it was less about maybe what I wanted to do, but, um, and then I just really started kind of examining things and examining personal characteristics and maybe who um, I was and maybe where I fit in. And um, I saw a PA profession. I kind of saw uh, through Gene, the PA that I had uh, kind of had my experiences with before. And, um, and then also seeing in my own mind without without really knowing the differences. Like I didn't know the differences between PA and, and like a MD or a DO yet, but I just from an outside perspective, I could tell the difference between being a doctor and a PA, like stress wise, hours wise, responsibility wise. Um, and so that's kind of when I, because when I transitioned my freshman year from pre-med, cause I, was, I, I went directly into pre-PA and um, and it was kind of, I've always kind of had like a narrow, narrow vision. So when I set my sights on it, that's what I, that's what I was going to do. It wasn't really, uh, I never really tossed things up because I mean, I know the majority of college is kids just like, what do I want to do in life? Like even the other night I was talking with a buddy uh, and he's, a senior now and he, the kid's a genius he's like mechanical engineering or industrial engineering getting a also getting his master's in business business administration at the same time and he's like I just don't know what I want to do and I was like I was just thankful because I I've just known what I've wanted to do and and it hasn't been a point of question and it's just um and I think it's made it easier just to put my head down and work towards a goal because you can't work towards a goal if the target's always moving so um, anyways, yeah, I, I kind of made that decision in my transition year and then just plowed forward. So, okay. Awesome. Yeah. And that's what I think more people now, cause I'm older than you, um, are going into undergrad with more awareness of what PAs are at least a little bit. Um, and hopefully the undergrad programs and schools will catch up a little bit more too and make yeah. that more of an option um, so that people can kind of focus on that from the beginning if it's what they want to do. Mm -hmm. um, okay, so you we kind of talked about before you ended up applying to PA school, the first cycle, a couple schools didn't get in and then reapplied. What was your PA school application process like? As in, what schools were you looking at? Like, what were you looking for in schools? What what were your struggles during that process? It's just such a complicated thing. Um, and there's lots of steps. So what was your take on it? Well, because I guess because of everything that I mentioned before, I've always kind of been ahead of the curve and, and maybe not because 
not not because I'm like a type. It's a type A that's like I need to do everything. It's yeah. it's not necessarily <laughs> type A. It's just I haven't had really anything else to focus on. So uh, besides work, which work is just something I show up at nowadays, you know, and then and then I was be able to able to involve myself in the clinic, which that's like maybe two days a week. But um, I just got in on CASPA pretty early. I started weeding my way through what it looked like. Um, and, and then I, there was a, there was a student that I knew who helped me minimally. Like, I think I talked with them like once and he, he's in one of the schools that I was applying to. And, uh, but we weren't great friends. He just kind of was a friend of a friend. And so I got a hold of him and, uh, asked him a few questions. And then other than that, I was just kind of on my own and, uh, tried to read the fine print as much as I could. Um, and then just kind of went for it. But, uh, yeah, schools wise, I location was, was really, um, the priority for me. Um, although I did apply to out of state schools, uh, this semester, um, really obviously top schools were the ones one down the street, um, OU, and then, uh, a couple new programs that are cropping up. Um, well, I know you're, I can't, you're in Eastern United States, I know, and like, you guys are pretty well saturated with PA schools. It's just kind of now leaking over here, and. Hey, y'all don't have a ton up there. No, we have, like, um, within the last five years, I think we've, there's been three new programs started. Um, before that, it was just OU had one here and one in Tulsa, and I think their Tulsa one started back in 2011, so um, it's really, obviously caught on within the last few years and um which I'm thankful for because I will be taking part in one of those yes. one of those new schools so <laughs> um so how many did you apply to total your second time five five okay what were yeah. the outcomes with interviews or so I I got lucky I guess I uh, applied to five I got one interview and I got one acceptance so it's all it yeah. Takes. Yeah. um so I applied to uh the local schools, one besides one, there was one that's a developing program that's kind of been, so it's been a school that's been trying to be in conjunction with the Indian tribes in Oklahoma. And I think from what I've heard, there's been a lot of chefs in the kitchen with that. And so it's been really prolonged uh, and, and like, they've been trying to develop it for like three years now, I think. Um, so I was kind of, weary of that one um actually now that i'm thinking about it i only applied to one i applied to three of the in-state schools there's one there's a private one that was down the street but it required they require biochemistry and i would have had to add on a whole nother semester just to apply and they're out of sync with the rest of the schools like their school that starts in january yeah and so uh yeah i just didn't really um it makes sense yeah but and so I applied to uh, Midwestern in Arizona, and then because uh, I just I went through what's the what's the website that has all the schools on it? Uh, PAEA is the yeah. main one, or or the ARCPA. They both have list of all the accredited schools and their accreditation status and all that. Yeah, I think I it was PAEA. I just literally went through most every state and. Uh, 
was coming through schools that my requirements met. And then I kind of narrowed it down and I was like, well, if I'm going to go hundred thousand dollars in debt, might as well be on the beach in Miami. So <laughs> yeah. Why not? Yeah, no, that one didn't work out though. So. Oh no. Yeah. Um, all right. So what, is there anything that you feel like made you stand out on your applications or anything that you think was a red flag either that you identified or that came up in interviews or from schools? I think, I don't know, may, may, probably because of the, I just haven't had a whole lot of people to compare my stuff with, you know? Yeah. So I would, I've been nervous throughout that, like, I haven't been good enough that, uh, that maybe not what I've done is enough, but that, like, I don't know, but patient care wise, like, my experience is different than what other people's have had. So, like, I, I'm a cardiac monitor tech, like, they, it's something that hasn't really ever been mentioned in or that I've ever heard of anybody really doing. Um, and so for me, I was like, well, if they count scribing, I was like, it's like, I mean, I do a lot of stuff around a lot of people. So I kind of question. Is that patient care or is that healthcare? I don't know. What'd you put we'll, in? We'll never know. I put in as patient okay. care, yeah. And, well, and that was actually advice that I took from that former student because he said, if they don't see it as patient care experience, they're going to change it. And he said, it's, it's, he said, it's not going to be something that, um, and so I was like, well, I guess I'd rather it go in as that and then, then consider something else. But like I said, I've never heard anything about it and I'm not necessarily in patients' rooms, but I am like providing a valuable service to patients. I don't know. I don't know. I I it in my own head. Yeah, that's a gray area. And it does come down to how you explain it and what you think you're doing. Like if you feel like you're contributing to that patient's care and and something like that, like you're going to be probably involved at some level in making decisions regarding patient care. Yeah. If you're monitoring and having to kind of watch things. Um, I mean, that's how they tend to designate mm-hmm. for that, but um, yeah, I was interested. So yeah, that may be a good one for people to kind of look up and see if there's any jobs around them in that area. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. At least, at least where I'm at, the need is pretty great, especially because just because of everything that the hospital expansion is crazy right now. Um, like they're just adding on wings and wings and wings, not necessarily be too not necessarily specifically because of COVID, but because, I mean, I mean, because of the COVID experience, but not because necessarily COVID patients. Right, right, right. No, I get what you're saying. At least yeah. from my hospital's experience. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, so there's definitely a lot of opportunity and there's actually been several, there's a, a girl that just got done with orientation where I work who is pre-PA, she's about to graduate. Um, and so there's, there's been more interest and there's, there's a lot of med school students where I'm at, um, several kind of non-traditional, but they're all kind of seeking the same thing. And so it's been good and a skill that I'm pretty sure I'm going to be thankful that I have. Whenever oh, I sure. Car- get to that point cardiology stuff, is the so. biggest section of PA school, of boards, of everything. So having any base knowledge is extremely helpful so yeah that definitely sets you up to do well I think 
in, in that section at least. So, um, and that's what's cool about VA school because then you'll have classmates who have experience in other areas who can, y'all can help each other and that'll be really yeah. beneficial. How big is the class you're going into? Yeah. I think I saw somewhere it's like 26 or something okay. like that. So uh, I guess it's a, to me, it's like a decent sized class for a first, first class. So yeah. Well, let's talk about it being a first class a little bit. Um, what, cause that's something people ask about a lot. Did you have any reservations about the accreditation status or going into a new program or, and if you did, how did they kind of make you feel okay about that either through your application process or the interview? So for me, it was kind of like, I guess I tried to just evaluate each school based on maybe just perspective. I don't know. So like with the whole, the, the NSU school, the school that was being kind of made by the tribes or whatever, just outside perspective is that it's, they've kind of drugged their feet for several years that I don't necessarily know. It, they didn't inspire confidence, you know, but uh, whereas the program that I'm in now or that I've been accepted to, it's OSU and they have a well-established DO school uh, in Tulsa, Oklahoma, that's been running for, I don't know, probably 40 years, something like that. Um, they just built brand new facilities like back in, I don't know, 2017, like it's all state-of-the-art stuff. And that's where we're situated. That's where the PA school program is going to be. And the faculty's great. I did a lot of research on all the faculty and um, yeah, they're all really well experienced. Uh, there's, there's only one that I think that has specific education experience. And, and I might be wrong about that. I don't know. But um, yeah, just, I just kind of evaluated resources and said, do they know what it takes to put together a program like this? Or, and, and I don't know. And then throughout the process, they really uh, instilled confidence. Uh, so obviously, it'll be about March, or I guess I have no idea when you're going to display this, but March upcoming is when the accreditation meetings happen. And so uh, provisional accreditation should be um, doled out to our school, but um, they've been really upfront with everything that should happen of if this, this is when the decision is, this is how it'll look. And this is what'll happen if we don't get accredited. So, um, but they've, they've presented it as a foregone conclusion. And so, I mean, it, it's made me a little bit more confident, I guess. And I, I've not, like I said, I wasn't, I'm not super not confident. Yeah. Anyway. Well, and the accreditation process, which some people don't realize is super rigorous for PA schools. It takes like three to five years before they can ever apply for provisional status. Um, and it's very expensive. There's just a lot that they have to have in line to even get to that point. And so most of the time, there's no issue because they've gone through all of these checkpoints before they get to that point of accepting their class. So I think you should be fine, um, hopefully. Um, but what, so one other thing I wanted to ask about though, is you had mentioned you were looking into the um, HPSP, the Health Professions Scholarship Program. 
which is, I guess that's technically through the army. What, what are your, what have you learned about that and that you could share with us? So there's, and, and it's, I'm, it's more so of a, like, a, am trying to keep my options open as much as possible. Yeah. Like I want to, uh, I want to set myself up for success going into, especially after listening to people like you and to listening to um, people around me and to, I, w- I want to take uh, loans seriously. I want to take um, my future seriously, like that I don't um, dig myself a deeper hole than I need to. Um, so that's smart. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so that's kind of where, and I, and I've been kind of, I've been blessed to be put in a position where I don't have loans right now. And so uh, I don't know the freedom that I have now. I don't necessarily want to give up. And even the idea of um, taking out a large loan is is pretty nerve wracking to me. Um, But uh, so I through that, through my nervousness, I've explored as many options as I can, whether I've explore enough probably not I don't know I'm, I'm I'm looking for scholarships and stuff and maybe we can talk about that later but um the health profession scholarship program specifically I started trying to contact them kind of it's kind of a long process it's like uh just trying to get the right point of contact is difficult yeah. and um because there's so many recruiters there's so many different people uh whose numbers are out there and um, so I struggled to do that for a while. I made calls upon calls, uh, getting um, people who would take my information and then say they'd pass it on to somebody else. And, and so that was probably a two, three month process before I finally even got the right people to talk to. Um, and, I, and I've kind of pursuing this through the Navy and the Air Force, um, both of which have health profession scholarship programs. Well, and that's also the other thing is uh, if you go onto their websites and you look at all the information that they provide you, some of it, I don't want to say the majority of it, but a lot of it is not necessarily correct. Not necessarily all of it is the most accurate. Um, at least the Navy has whole sections on the health profession scholarship program. And when I finally got a hold of the right guy, or it was, a, it was a, I guess a sergeant, I don't know. But um, she was like, oh yeah, that, do- that doesn't exist anymore. And I was like, whoops, nice. <laughs> but, but she told me there, they have different options or whatever. It's just not necessarily uh, the one that they had uh, presented on their website. Um, but then uh, through the Air Force, um, it's kind of a long process where they advise you to start in March. There's this pre-qualification form that you fill out that's seven pages long, seven pages long, where it's like, every physical question that you could think of from whether you've ever had glasses to whether you have ever had any gastrointestinal issues. And um, just because in my mind, I think that they just want to ensure that they're not taking on somebody who's trying to get free healthcare. Um, I don't know. But, uh, and then there is like, uh, they send you to MEPS uh, eventually, which is like a, um, they basically put you through rigorous physical um, and, uh, she actually, so I talked to the Navy lady about this and she said, they put you up in a hotel beforehand because of COVID, I guess. I don't know, but they put you up in a hotel the night before they wake you up at like 5am and then they get you going. And, uh, 
they put you through this physical process and then you have to have a certain amount of uh what's the word i'm looking for um not resources but recommendations um like you have to and i i'm i haven't gone through all of it yet so i'm still trying to figure it out i'm going to start that up here in march and i'm going to try to take it as far as i can because it's an application process as much as it's a big decision for you to pursue it it's a big or it's just because you decide to pursue it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get it so um so I'm going to go through that and see if I have the opportunity and then make the decision whenever the time comes, um, if I'm given the opportunity. So, uh, it's, it's pretty similar, but it's a March to October kind of thing. And so, um, yeah, uh, I mean, it's, it'll be, I'll have already started PA school by the time we even figure out if I'll get it. And they, and they end up actually, he said they back pay you. And uh, for if you end up getting it and accepting it, uh, they back pay you for whatever expenses that you paid and for your tuition. Um, and, and with both of those, so the Navy program that they now have, they make you some kind of, I think it's called an E5 officer. And you uh, are given a monthly stipend of like over $5,000. Um, so, so that, is all that they give you. You're you're not um, expected to be called upon or anything like that. Um, but then you're able to do with that what you will. They don't write a check for tuition, but um, they give you that money. And then I guess the expectation is is that you pay for your tuition with that and live off of it. Um, and then Air Force they write a check for your tuition and then give you a monthly stipend of uh, a little over a thousand maybe or fifteen hundred something like that. Um, but then I think that there's, with that, I think the Air Force, maybe there's a certain amount of days that you're expected to be, uh, maybe not called upon, but some sort of duty. Um, so I'm still working through it, but there's, yeah, I'm, I'm glad that I can put that information out there just because yeah. a lot of the information that I found was not necessarily the best information. So. Well, it sounds like if that's something someone wants to do, it is going to take some legwork to kind of get, get it all figured yeah. out. and. Yeah. and I mean, when, no, you go ahead. I was just going to say, when we get to the end of this, if anybody hears us and is interested, like if they want to piggyback off my legwork, that's fine with me. Like I can send them the connections that I made yeah. and uh, like, I'm fine with that. If I can help somebody not have to go through the frustrating process of calling 20 different people and getting the same answer. So no, I'm, I'm sure you'll get questions about that because it is a good option for some people. Um, I don't think anyone in my class did it. We had, but in the class below me, one girl, her husband was actually doing it for medical school. Yeah. Um, and so, but like you were saying, like his tuition was paid for um, and they got a monthly stipend that covered basically their their housing cost of living. We were in kind of a low cost of living area. Um, so they really didn't have to take out too many loans besides her schooling, um, which is great. And so I guess that's in return for a like, number of years of service. Is that how it works? Yeah. So the way that they presented online, and this is also something that's a little different, they presented online as like a year for a year kind of thing. Yeah. But the reality of it is, is they kind of do say that with in mind of medical school um so the majority of schools are going to want you or the majority of the branches are going to uh 
aren't going to let you sign a contract for less than three to four years or something like that. Um, which is if you're, if you're pursuing the, the scholarship itself, I have a feeling that the extra year isn't necessarily what your mind's on. So, uh, you, you make your decisions and then, um, whatever comes from that. comes yeah. from. So. Cool. Yeah, I know. That's, that's a really good kind of broad option. The, um, national, National Health Service Corps, the NHSC, that's the other one. Um, and that one is fairly competitive to get, especially for the one while you're in PA school versus the one once you're done, um, which is still somewhat hard to get. But those are probably the two biggest besides school specific options, which are sometimes available as well. Yeah. Um, to kind of help with paying for school, which mm-hmm. I mean, and that's, I've said it before, but it's one of my biggest regrets is that I didn't like actively search out scholarships. Um, I just, I didn't think they existed and didn't really, I mean, I had six months before I started school where I could have been applying and writing essays or whatever I needed to do. And I just, I didn't really think about it. So um, that's awesome that you're kind of already taking the time to figure out some of that to see if you can help with funding your school and make those loans a little bit less, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, that's actually something that I'm kind of going through right now of just the process of, cause I've already done the health profession stuff. So I've kind of got that in line and I know when I need to start that, but, um, I'm trying to find scholarships. It's kind of odd cause they point you to like, a there was a website called like fast web or something like that fast. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I might have just made that up, but why not? Oh, who knows? I haven't looked for scholarships in a lot of years. So fast web scholarships. I don't know. It was something that uh, maybe fast foot pointed me towards, or maybe I found it on financial aid, something. I don't know. It was, I found it on like an official website, and it was like, like in a website that I guess puts together different scholarships. And, um, but it seemed very, so far, it seems kind of gimmicky, like there's a lot of smaller scholarships and not necessarily that small scholarships are bad, but they're like just really random and ones that don't necessarily pertain to me that I, I don't think that, uh, like it recommends me for like tech scholarships and different things like that. And I'm like, I mean, I'd like the money, but I don't know if applying is worth it because it's not an app. It's not a scholarship for me. I don't know. Yeah. And that's, what's hard because there are a lot that just won't be applicable, but I mean, there are some specific to either PAs or um, like grad school level healthcare professions. Um, And that's what I've seen. I know some like drug companies will have them specifically for people in healthcare. Um, I posted one on Instagram a few days ago, which when this airs, it will have the application will have closed, but, um, uh, like societies for PAs, I think are good places to look to. Um, this one was through the Florida Dern PA society. It was a $5,000 scholarship, um, which is a lot. I mean, that's a huge chunk. And so that for somebody who was like interested in working in Durham and you had to write an essay and things. Um, so those types of even smaller societies, like I know the Surgical PA Society has some, um, and the PA Foundation has some bigger ones, but those are a little bit more kind of general and, and more people are going to apply, but hey, like, 
I think go for it and see what happens. You just never know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, well, we'll definitely kind of let us know if you hear me get scholarships. Uh, but where could people kind of contact you or, or reach out if they wanted to? I've got your email, so I don't know if that's the yeah. best way. Well, yeah, that's that's about it. I, I kind of stay off of social media. I've got a LinkedIn if you're interested. Yeah, you connect oh. me with, it, with me there. Um, but other than that, yeah, you can just get at me in my email. Um, and I, I try to respond as fast as I can. And uh, well, we'll understand if you're busy with PA school. So <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much. Yes, ma'am. I appreciate the opportunity. And thank you again for all that all that you've done, all the resources you've pumped out that people like me get to benefit from. So yeah, I'll try to try to keep them coming. We'll see. <laughs>